there's something about working in retail where you just have to show up every day and no matter what and, and just have a lot of fun and, and bring your A game that uh, however you want to look at it in the corporate world just doesn't happen. I also think people forget like if you're good at something and you like it um, to continue to practice it and hone that skill and then share it. Uh, I think that is something I, I learned as part of that time period or part of that process and I've just continued to carry that forward. Welcome to the Change Agent Podcast. I'm Nathan Lesnowski. I'm Concurrency's Chief Technology Officer. Welcome to the show. This is the show where we talk about the change that's happening within organizations through technology to reflect their mission within the world and within their organizations. We talk with technology leaders that are helping take their organizations to the next level, that are thinking about their business in different ways, bringing it to the market or to their internal leaders in a way that helps them to think about their company's mission and bring it to their organizations in ways that they hadn't thought about before. We've had amazing guests on this program. We've talked about manufacturing transformation, security, application development, financial services transformation, and many others. Today's guest is going to be awesome. This is John Zielinski. John is a senior technology product manager at Baird. He's helping to transform the way that their organization interacts with their financial advisors and the way that they transform the portfolios of their customers. Welcome to the show, John. Thank you, Nathan, for having me. I'm really excited to be here. So why don't we start with just telling us a little bit about what you do on a daily basis? You know, what what makes your job special? What do you do? What do you how do you help change the world of Baird? Yeah, well, change the world, I I would uh I would say maybe not change the world, but I'm trying to make a, a difference within our team. So I sit within a functional consulting team. We're known as the, the technology best practices department. And what we do is we sit within the business. We pair with IT on a daily basis. But more importantly, uh, we reach out to and, and consult our financial advisors and their assistants on how to best use the technology that we have uh, to support their business and, and help our clients. Got it. So when you think about the groups that you work with, kind of describe that a little bit. Like I it, imagine me as a person who's never experienced a financial advisor firm before. Like what does that inside sausage making world look like? Yeah. Well, gone are the days of, you know, a typical broker dealer uh, picking stocks and uh, just taking calls and making trades. And so what Baird does is we're a wealth management firm and we are uh, trying to build a wealth management experience we're embedding a standard of care into our client base. And so as, as a technology product manager, I'm trying to give technology and support uh, a CRM solution that helps them manage that business and, and keep track of all the things that go into being a wealth manager beyond uh, trading stocks and mm -hmm. uh, picking mutual funds, for example. So as a product manager, like I said, I, I pair with our IT team uh, a lot, and that's a day-to-day a -day job around uh, what are we trying to get after, um, prioritizing a backlog, and then obviously helping get that through um, a Kanban board and get that tested and implemented. Um, but way upstream, I'm also prioritizing a strategic roadmap, trying to pair it to where we were trying to go as a private wealth firm. Got it. So talk about that angle of the of the discovery. Like when you're thinking about the strategic things that are important to you, how are you determining that, who are you working with? How do they even think about what they want to do first, second, or third? Yeah, well, it's a, 
a multifaceted input. It really is. And obviously we have a team, we have a, a, a team of product managers who are supporting individual technologies as well, whether it's our Baird online platform, our trading platform, our performance reporting platform, for me, our CRM platform. Um, that's one uh, aspect of it, but then it's also competitive analysis and understanding where the industry is going and taking into account, uh, are we behind here or are, is someone doing something that we want to be sure we're keeping uh, a pulse on? And then, of course, uh, firm goals, uh, right? The firm has a, a direction they want to go every year. We have to come to the table uh, prepared to find ways to help them achieve, help us achieve those goals. We take all these inputs in, uh, let alone we have field feedback, financial advisors and the assistants, whether it's uh, candid feedback around what we could be doing differently or better, um, or it's just we're getting a lot of inputs on something mm -hmm. and we're learning uh, about the business in that respect. And we take all these things into consideration. We share kind of our thoughts internally, and then we ultimately come to the table on an annual basis to try to align to, hey, what do we want to get after for the next 12 months, next 18 months? You know, that, like I said, it it's uh, not only something I do, but our team does, uh, but we pair with our IT team to also align what we can get done. Got it. So when you think about another person coming in to do the same job, what would be the, I guess, secrets or the, the top things that you'd say, you know, this is what I've learned from this experience that's made me successful. These are the things to, that you should make sure that you do well. Yeah. Well, I think what's unique about our role too is we all have different backgrounds and that only contributes and helps in this particular role. Hmm. For me, I go back and, you know, I take you all the way back to my college days and um, just kind of let you in behind the curtain a little bit. For me, I was uh, a full-time worker throughout college and it was a retail job. And, uh, you know, in retail, you have to show up every day and be your best self and, and present, um, whether it's a, a sale or a new product. And then going into college and getting a, a degree uh, for MIS or IT management, uh, depending on what university you go to, it might uh, articulate it a little bit differently, but Combining those two things together, I started uh, on the same team, but on the front line defense, if you will, on the front line of support, which is uh, taking reactive calls and emails on our technology. Not break fix, but more, how do I do this? What's the best way to do that? And I think that's really the secret sauce for product management, the secret sauce for Baird, uh, and the secret sauce for me as I continue to progress into my career and and leading that now into product management, I had a um, more of a SME background, right? I was a, I really understood uh, what our technology is there to do, what it can do. And after getting licensed uh, to be a Series 7 and Series 66 license, then I could also speak the language of our financial advisors, mm -hmm. understand their perspective. And then you add in the schooling, right? You add in the, okay, what is agile? What is... Uh, lean coffee, what is like all of these things that um, now you kind of take second nature, but you add all those things in together and all of those things kind of contribute and help when it comes to product management, but it doesn't have to be that way. And I think that's what makes it so unique about our role is, you know, we have people that come from different industries. Uh, they don't come from financial services. They could come from uh, the banking industry. They could come from technology industry. 
And with all of that historical experience, when you kind of bring it all together, sharing new ideas, sharing new practices, that's what really makes a, a difference in the product management space. Got it. Yeah, I, th I thought it was really interesting how you brought up like customer service, yeah. you know, that your first job's in customer service because I've, I've had some, that's where I similarly got into this, this domain, just doing end user support. And I felt like it was one of the, actually the best tools that still serves me today. Because when you're doing customer service or end user support, you have to deal with people in a whole series of different emotional states and in uh, situations where they're needing to get something done and you're in their way. And you have to be able to essentially work with anyone within the business and know that you can have a communication, you can have a conversation with them and you have to understand what's important to them right now, be able to hold it and get it done and work with them in an effective way. And I think that prepares a person really well for these things later on in life where you have to be able to combine a bunch of diverse skills into a conversation with someone that is going to help them get to where they're trying to go. Well, you, you said it, I think, really well there in that it's not only like the different stages, right? But everyone in customer service comes in and at different levels. Mm -hmm. It could be um, an emotional level for sure, but it also could just be an understanding of what that thing can do or can't do, or not even knowing what thing they need, but uh, they know what the problem is. And when you get all these different angles in customer service, uh, it really teaches you the the different ways to react and um, be prepared to uh, provide the best solution. Absolutely. Especially kind of in the moment, right? Mm -hmm. How do I, how do I triage? Yeah. <laughs> how do I, how do I take information from someone and amalgamate into something that's worthwhile for them? Yeah. Um, and, th and then that's exactly what our team does. So now bringing it back to Baird and, and technology best practices and this, this functional support team, um, you can be on a call for two minutes. You can be on the call for 20 minutes. You could be on the call for two hours. You never know because when they're calling you, they might be asking you for, hey, I need to run this report. But the minute you ask them why or the minute you, you try to understand uh, what it is they're trying to prepare to show their end client, you end up finding a better solution for them in, in a lot of cases. Mm. You know, I was thinking, you know, you see these commercials on, on, on about the old school advisor, right? The like, he's got the cup and he's hanging out in Hawaii. And he's like, hey, I'll get to you at some point. And there's these this transformation that's happening within the financial advisor space. What does what does that transformation look like from your perspective? Like what yeah. what is that movement from legacy approach to modern approach look like in a in the experience that you're trying to drive? Yeah, your your picture uh, was perfect. Um, in our world, we like to reference it as like the old school alphabet Rolodex that's sitting on the the cubicle and around the table and. Uh, oh, uh, John Doe called me today, so let me roll to the Ds and figure out uh, what the last thing I talked to him. And in, in CRM space where I work, uh, that's those days are gone, right? The old school alphabet Rolodex just isn't gonna work for you in maintaining a business and scaling your business. And so it's all about enabling sales opportunities now. And not only that, but for the existing business you have, uh, providing you a way to keep track of your wealth management and the standard that you, uh, the standard of care you you wish to um, service and and provide. So we're trying to surface up different tools and different ways to show them uh, where their uh, book of business might be at risk. Um, for those that are at risk, uh, what what are you doing to um, de-risk that? Mm -hmm. And then for those that you have de-risked, 
um, where are you in their journey? Uh, what financial life stage are those clients in and what services are you providing to meet them at that life stage? Mm -hmm. And then uh, as it relates to digital transformation, you can do a lot and you can read a lot about like what technologies are out there to further uh, that transformation. And I, I definitely think during the pandemic, you, you probably saw it outside of financial services across the board, hybrid work model, um, uh, collaboration tools. This doesn't stop in any industry. It, it's out there. Um, but what's different about what we do at Baird and, and what I think our team does differently is meeting the advisors where they are and, and not in the sense of like physically where they are, but truly understanding where they are in the journey of using the technology that is available. We can put out any new technology, but it will just not be leveraged unless we can meet them where they are in understanding that technology, how it benefits them, speaking their language, and then uh, consulting them and coaching them on how to use it. You said two things there. I thought they were really key points. One was about the journey that the customer is on. And then the other was about sort of de-risking the relationship, right? But ultimately it gets to, am I earning my customer's business? Like, am I, am I truly delivering value to them? And you're sort of painting the roadmap of how I ensure that I'm delivering value to them. And it's not just sort of, as you like, say, the Rolodex, like, oh, I should call them today, as opposed to like, this is where they are in their life stage. I should be doing these things to ensure that they're cared for properly. Client comes first and, and for Baird, quality over quantity. Um, it, we're, we're all about trying to um, engage in different ways that um, goes beyond stock picking. Uh, it's an advice-driven business these days. And um, that's what we're trying to build technology around to support so the advisors feel prepared and equipped to uh, really have an in-depth relationship with that family. Interesting. When you say the word standard of care, that means something to you. Can yeah. you talk, talk a little bit about what that means? Yeah, well, think about when you go to the doctor, right? And, and the first thing the doctor probably does with you is um, rolls uh, his clipboard, his or her clipboard up and goes through a checklist of things, um, whether that's your blood pressure, your oxygen level, these typical things that a doctor does. Well, that's not just a health services um, thing to do. Uh, pretty much in any industry, uh, there is a checklist. And what we're trying to do is, is give our advisors the tools to keep track of where all of their clients are in that checklist. Mm -hmm. um, every wealth manager has a different checklist. Uh, so we have to be hmm. um, unique in how we're uh, providing them technology to do this. But we also recommend a checklist, if you will. So we've built a tool that um, gives them a, a recommended checklist or two or three different recommended checklists. But we put the uh, onus on them to go apply that checklist to their specific clients and then customize it to whatever might be unique uh, and best for their business and for that individual relationship. Mm -hmm. So that's what standard of care is. In wealth management, it's all of the different service offerings that that advisor provides to uh, maintain that relationship, strengthen that relationship, and more importantly, continue that relationship should there ever be like a uh, wealth transfer event at some point. Is there a uh, like adoption challenge between maybe people that have been doing it a certain way with legacy customers for a long time versus uh, versus maybe a, a, a newer wealth management professional that has less experience and is just getting started and trying to figure out how to do it that maybe doesn't have that like insight and depth of experience yet, but 
they may be more interested in following your instructions or like, how does that, what's, what's your perspective on that? Yeah. Well, what, what you will find is, um, you actually hit it on it on the newer advisors, right? That's the easy one because we're giving them the tools to really go build a strong practice. But for your legacy advisors, your existing um, book of business that is very strong and, you know, uh, you have to show them the data. You have to show them on how their, uh, their client base might be aging or um, should there not be identification of uh, potential inheritors at some point. Um, that there's risk there in not adopting some level of standard of care. And so it's all about giving them the tools, showing them the evidence around using or not using the tools and, and letting that speak for it. But again, going back to what our team does is being that coach and being the person that follows up on them. Uh, that is what's unique. It's not like we're just throwing new technology out there and say, use it or don't. Um, it's more about we're throwing new technology out there and we're saying you, you're going to want to use this and we're here to support you in using it. Uh, and, and that's what we're here for. Yeah. You're there to be their coach. hundred percent. Does that, how does that work from, a, you know, your engagement standpoint? Is it like, are there certain situations where you have to be more assertive or less assertive or, you know, how do you have to balance your yeah. engagement style to be able to partner with different people? So my role you know, I also have the luxury of pairing with the broader private wealth team, mm -hmm. uh, pairing with the advisors and getting feedback. And so in some cases we tie certain growth metrics to it. So if we're not feeling like we're going to get the adoption, but we feel very strongly that we have the evidence to show that it should be followed, then we'll tie growth metrics to it and say, um, hit this, hit one of these metrics, two of these metrics, because not only can we prove to you that it'll strengthen your, your, your practice, um, but then we can tie some compensation to it as well. Mm -hmm. And then on the advisor side, with that, that experience and that coaching, I've been in, in, the, uh, the team, or in the team long enough now where I also have the reputation that goes along with that our team does to say, you know, remember, we sit in the business. You are our client just as much as we are your partner. Yes, so we're here to make you happy. We're here to support you. Um, if this doesn't work, don't worry, because we're going to take it back. Like we're, we'll take this back and we'll go implement something that is better or it works um, to meet you where you need it. That's important. Yeah. How do you then, you know, manage the outcome of this from a data standpoint? Do you, do you kind of look at the the, pre the precursor and then the what happens when it gets implemented and then where the laggards are and how does how does that process work yeah so adoption so getting back to your adoption to you know there's there's oftentimes goals to be set in these things when we roll out there's certain metrics we're trying to hit but it's more about just following up on it and mm -hmm. and watching the progression and and identifying if we're not getting the the usage and adoption that we were looking for we're hoping for or expecting um, and then tweaking from there. So for us, we are monitoring, like when we put out a new technology, we put out our standard of care technology. Uh, it, it's a matter of, okay, this is what we have today. Uh, we'll, we'll check again in a month, we'll check again in a quarter, and we'll see which teams are using it, not using it. And for those that are using it, we will reach out to them, we'll understand why it's working for them. So we can then flip the script and utilize that uh, for the rest of the field to get them on board. Got it. How does this messaging make its way to the original? Like, I know you're training the, the FAs, right? And they're trying to enable them to have strong portfolios. And 
that helps the maintain the business of the overall organization and relationships with customers. Does any of these types of capabilities that you're releasing make their way into visibility for the customer themselves? Like, hey, I I'm now yeah. looking at you in a different way, so I can I can do a better job serving you. Like, is yeah, how does that work? Well, uh, in a lot of cases, we are creating these new technologies and tools that align 100% to how we're meeting the end client. Mm -hmm. So the wealth management experience and, and what we are doing beyond stock picking, yep. uh, advanced planning, relationship management, these things that we're putting out do end up in the laps of our end clients, not in all cases, but in, in a lot of cases, whether that's felt in a very tangible way or an in, indirect way, it's happening. Uh, and so even in this tool that we've been kind of talking about here, there is a, a printout option and if the advisor wants, they can turn the piece of paper around and say, here, look at all these things I'm offering you um, or not offering you. And I'd like to be offering you. Uh, let, let's have a conversation about that. Mm -hmm. uh, and so, yeah, absolutely. Everything we're doing is directionally aligned to that wealth management experience we're trying to provide to the end client. Because again, if it's not benefiting the end client, there's no reason we should be implementing it for our financial advisors and their assistants. Yeah. Great point. Great point. Um, are there important skills you've had to lift up, you know, over the last maybe couple of years as you've been building out some of these things that have made you effective? You know, you talked about, you know, the earlier stages of like, yeah. hey, I learned customer service. I got my education. I learned series seven. You know, I got the kind of baseline skills. Are there other strengths that you've had to reinforce in order to be effective? Yeah, well, for me, I'm purely an influence leader, quote unquote, right? I, I have no... Um, reports below me um, at all. And, and that's uh, by design. Uh, Baird is a very flat organization and we and we partner and pair um, to get the job done. Um, not And so when I think about what I have or what I what I kind of build on is that experience at Baird. I've been at Baird almost 10 years now and being a subject matter expert at this point in a lot of areas, helps a lot and mm -hmm. gives me a lot of credentials when it comes to like, we really should consider doing it this way or that way uh, when we're when we're planning or building our strategic roadmap. So certainly that, and I'll just go back to uh, the how we do it. It's very uh, transparent uh, in how we're planning these things and the cadence we're planning these things. We don't do it in a silo and then just come out at the end of the year and say, here's what we're doing uh, in the next 12 months. Yeah. It's it's very um, shared. So right now, for instance, we are planning for 18 months from now and we're not doing that in a silo. We're, we're doing that with our IT delivery managers. We're doing that with our um, business stakeholders. We're sharing that, getting feedback and altering it along the way. And it's not a permanent thing. Never have we said over the next 18 months, we will deliver X, Y, Z. It'll, it's, as of right now, our target is to deliver XYZ over the next 18 months. Mm -hmm. And if something changes three months from now, we'll do the same pull up and we'll show them what's altering, what's changing. And that is by far the biggest tactic and the biggest thing I think anybody in product management can bring to the table. That's a that's a really important point. I love the transparency part of it. Just the not a lot happens well when you do it in a silo and then release it. Yeah, it's much more powerful when you're working with and in conjunction with people that are using the capability and you're building it with them and they become a fan, they become an advocate and you start rolling that ball down the hill and that becomes something that's a really powerful force for the organization. Yeah, 100%. Um, when you think about 
the way that you've gotten to where you are. Like you've, you've been able to do inspirationally impact your organization. You've learned a lot about the business and how it works. You're working to transform and execute on the evolution of the way the business works with, with its customers and the way the FAs evolved to be better at what they do. Um, you know, tell me a little bit about like who's influenced you to be able to become that kind of person. Like who's given you the tools in the toolbox that you have really, that you really, uh, sort of seen benefit from as a learnings that that's enabled you to be able to be that kind of person. Yeah. Well, there's, there's certainly a lot of people that have been there along the way out, but outside of family. Right. Cause I think that is always your biggest influence in mm-hmm. life, whether right or wrong. Uh, I'd like to think you, you learn the most from the people closest to you, but going back to, uh, middle school for me, uh, I had a math teacher and a coach that, um, was all about measuring and, and not measuring wins and losses, but measuring like the things that contribute to a win or loss. Um, that is by far uh, been like the thing that stuck with me along the way. And I think a lot of people focus a lot on, you know, what do I not know? And, and trying to go figure that out. And that is great. And I think you can never have too many uh, feathers in your cap, too many value props to, to hold up. But I also think people forget like, if you're good at something and you like it, um, to continue to practice it and hone that skill and then share it. Uh, I think that is something I, I learned as part of that time period or part of that process. And I've just continued to carry that forward. Uh, going up and then into customer service and retail, I certainly had a supervisor or two that there's something about working in retail where you just have to show up every day and no matter what and, and just have a lot of fun and, and bring your A game that, uh, however you want to look at it in the corporate world just doesn't happen. Mm-hmm. And so I think that that's certainly one. And then I think about my current manager and definitely earlier in my career, um, going back to the, the statement I made around quality over quantity in, in our role, it's all about consulting and how do I implement this better in the practice? How do I incorporate this into the team? And you can do that. You can you can be on the phone a million times. You can answer a million emails. But unless you're really making an impact uh, and changing the way people do it in a positive way, it, it really doesn't amount to much. And so I always go back to that too. If you're going to do it, do it right because uh, it'll make a bigger impact. I really appreciate that first comment that you made about uh, when you're in preschool and middle school, I think it was middle school, yeah, uh, middle school, where like the outcome's important, but actually the steps that you took to get there were more important. Um, I've heard that a lot about, about that from the context of parenting, you know, like if you're, uh, and I've tried to take that to heart. Like if, if my child has been successful at something, I try to praise them more on the, the activities that caused them to get to that point. Like, I really appreciate your perseverance in getting there, or I appreciate that you, you, stepped up and put those dishes away when I asked you and I knew you didn't want to do it, but you did it anyway. And that was, that was, that was an activity ready to choose to do something good. Like I, I appreciate you bringing that up because I feel like as much as we care about the wins and losses and that's perhaps the end game we're going for, what gets you there is all that learning. So that's, that's an important, important point. Yeah. The, the odds are tremendously compound on themselves. If you can uh, remember those, those little things, those lessons learned along the way, um, because going back to middle school, there's probably not a lot of things that I was 
um, learning in middle school that I actually use in practice today. Yeah. Uh, but the concept of keeping track of those things and learning about what came out of those, I think, is 100% where it comes to life. The second story you mentioned as well about, um, what was it, trying to be on, like, yeah. or turned on for the day. Like, um, that's actually something I've always appreciated about consulting, like, because you, sure. you actually have to be on. Like, yeah. you're, you're pretty much forced to be on in front of a customer and be your best self. And um, I appreciate that, like, when people are intentional about that, you know, because it makes such a difference, right? You, you bring in your whole self, your authentic self to work. It, it really makes, A, it's a better place to be, right? You're enjoying working with your coworkers. You're doing something meaningful. But just, just you find meaning yourself in doing that, right? Yeah. Versus just kind of mailing it in. So I totally appreciate the, the difference in that. That's great. Awesome. Well, this has been a great conversation. Thank you so much, John. Yeah, Nathan, I've uh, been looking forward to this for a long time. I've, uh, you don't know it, but I've been watching you from afar. I'm so impressed by the way you've presented yourself. And, and thank you for being a, a change agent in the Milwaukee area. Thank you. Thank you, sir. Yes. And we will see you next time on the Change Agent Podcast. Thank you.